Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'll have people tell me, you know, I love Jesus. I don't want anything to do with the church. Church full of wicked hypocrites and all this stuff. And I go, congratulations. And they say, what? You're doing the work of your father, the devil. You're not David. The Bible's not about you. Ask me what I know. Don't ask me what I feel about myself. Ask me what I know about God. Ask me what I know about his word. Ask me what I know to be a verity that can deal with my soul. That's what I need. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is, and we don't know who we are. Give us some men who know the truth and who will declare the truth and who will stand with Athanasius and Polycarp and Calvin and Luther and Whitfield and Edwards and who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome, welcome, guys, to the eighth episode of The Roundtable. We are here with Nick, Alex, and a very special guest from Theology Nights. Brad, you want to introduce yourself, please? Listen, I am so amped up right now because of that intro. Like, I feel like I could preach a sermon for three and a half hours, man. <laughs> I am just, I am. Re- I was excited before that, and now I'm even more excited. Yes. There's nothing like lost and yelling make. at you. <laughs> I'm pumped. I'm, I'm grateful that you guys uh, extended an invite. Uh, seriously, I love this format that you guys do. And so this personally to me is is um, it's, a, it's a big honor that you guys asked uh, me to be on here. And I uh, truly appreciate all the work that you guys do. I'm glad that we've all been able to connect and uh, work and labor together and uh, become friends from all over the world. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm very excited. Very excited. One of the beautiful things of social media, apart from all the poison that it brings. Yep. Oh, man. Talking about that, Alex, you had something you wanted to talk about before we jump into the questions, right? Yeah, yeah. So just a disclaimer to everybody listening. Um, I am watching the little lady, so there might be some screeching and toys and stuff on my end that uh, might roll through. But guys, let me let me ask you a very simple question before we get underway, because I feel like this is very distorted in today's um, church. So here's a quote by R.C. Sproul. 
your personal testimony is not the gospel. It's not. Discuss. <laughs> um, that is very uh, common for me because I personally dealt with drug addiction, but I interact with the people that are involved in addiction still. And what they want to talk about the most is that aspect of life without even sharing Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins. They are not necessarily taught to do this. I think it just kind of happens. They share their testimony saying what God did in their lives, and they just sort of leave it at that. And so the person that heard this, they might go, oh my gosh, wow, if God can do that for you, what can he do for me? But there's not an actual gospel call to this person. Um, and that's unfortunate um, because it, it happens, I think, a lot more than people realize. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Nick, Paul? Nick? Um, my, my thought on it is about, uh, Brad nailed it, with that whole idea, it's important to remember that the testimony is the testimony of the gospel. And without having the gospel included in that in some shape or form, then you're not... You're just not completing the picture. The, the whole point is the gospel is what makes that transformation happen. And if you're not offering that to someone else, then then it's worthless. Yeah, and if your testimony is only about deliverance from drug addiction or pornography or stuff like that, and it's not about the gospel, it's not really a testimony of anything. If, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And you guys nailed it. That's <clears throat> the exact answer I was looking for because— uh, so I came across that post, and naturally in the comments, everybody's trying to defend themselves and defend their testimony, saying that this is, you know, you, you can't say that my testimony is not the gospel, or that the apostle, even the apostles' testimonies weren't the gospel. Yeah. And the gospel is simply boiled down to this, is that Christ came in the flesh, he was crucified on a cross after living a sinless life, and was resurrected on the third day. And something that I'm currently studying is where we discussed it kind of briefly in school and class last night is that the death itself wasn't the significant part in that. But that's the unfortunate thing is more people put emphasis on the death. The death it's yep. the resurrection. Yeah, that, that's, that's what the apostles preached. Yes, that that completely blows everything out of the water. Because but everybody for resurrection, you need death. Yeah, also. exactly. And uh, so anyway, so I got this this guy is debating me. He's, apparently, he's a musician. I'm not going to give his name or anything and run him under the bus. But you know, he's trying to justify his stance that he says that the apostles' testimonies were you know uh, included in the gospel. Well, no, what the apostles preached was Christ crucified and his resurrection. And so that's just. One thing that kind of really got to me is that, you know, and then because somebody else chimed in and said, well, everybody knows the gospel. Apparently not, because this is a debate yep. that is going on. You know, uh, I had an additional thought on that, too. If you look at uh, the way Acts goes, man, just take Stephen, for example. He didn't say anything about his testimony. He, he just mm -hmm. straight up preached the gospel. And whenever we think about our testimonies, our testimonies are still going. The way you live now is still a testimony. Yep. And so it doesn't just stop at the point of your conversion. It keeps going. And so whenever I hear that phrase, um, preach the gospel, use words if necessary, 
Oh, uh, I hate that, man. It, it's oh, it's silly. So it, it's really silly because it's through the word <laughs> that faith comes, and it doesn't take long to realize that. Um, but the way you live now is just as important as the way you were whenever you were converted, and the power of the gospel initially should be uh, exhibiting fruit today. And so that's yeah. kind of yeah, You know what else what Alex was saying about um, the apostles sharing their own testimony? What I see in Paul and the road um, to Damascus experience, he was not converted on the spot when he saw Christ. He was converted after when he was baptized by Ananias and scales fell off from his eyes. And that's when, yep. when, he, when he confessed Jesus. And that's his conversion. I think that he was regenerated in the road to Damascus or, or he had some extraordinary experience, which is not normative for everyone because not everyone is an apostle. Yeah. And to follow that up, we have also to remember that not every single testimony um, about deliverance from addictive stuff is necessarily from Christ. Uh, you have people oh, like yeah. Malcolm oh, X yeah. in American history when, when he was like a pimp over prostitutes, then he went to jail. And in jail, he read the Quran and he, someone introduced him to Islam and he was quote unquote delivered from all these um, addictions that he had and he was a new man but he, he's in hell now because he didn't believe in Christ yeah. so he has a, a testimony a moral testimony but it's not a saving testimony I was just going to say it's basically a conflation of moralism and the gospel yeah, yeah. I appreciate That's that gentlemen church, basically. you know something funny that happened yesterday when Brad was um, invited to the show he put up a question box that he was going to move on to the big leagues. And I actually asked him a question what without qu knowing that. What question did you ask? This is the round table. I had no idea about that. That's what the big leagues are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're tiny peeps. This, this, yeah. is, this is, know, is the kids' table, man. Yeah. I messaged wow. Nick and said, man, when, we, when Paul and I were on your show, Brad, that we made it to the big leagues. No way around. Oh, thank you. So, what question did you ask Brad, Paul? Um, it's going to come up eventually. It's a good one. <laughs> I asked him one too. It I think history and it, theology has pretty much a are, bit of everything. Are we allowed to answer our own questions here? Yes. Yeah, I guess we ask follow-up sometimes to just like bounce ideas around. So, I, I think my question was probably the most um, profound, deep-thinking question. I think we should it, tackle it now. We should start first. What? <laughs> Alex, did you ask me that or someone else? Uh, I might have asked you that too. Yeah, favorite cut of steak? Yes. 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 I was thinking it was that. Guys, <laughs> guys, you never told me that we got like Gordon Ramsay in here doing <laughs> his I mean, I'm I'm driving home yesterday listening to that episode and you're talking about, "Oh, you got to get the temperature just right and you got to put the pink Himalayan salt down." And yep. I'm driving home and I'm calling my wife. I'm like, "Babe, listen, we're going to go get a steak from somewhere because <laughs> I want a steak right now." Right now. He he works undercover for for the grocers. Man, yeah, I Alex would. is Gordon Ramsay without the curse words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are a stupid sandwich. <laughs> uh, some of his stuff's pretty hilarious. And okay, so my, my favorite cut is, um, I'm pretty sure it's tenderloin. Ribeye. Ribeye? I, I lean towards ribeye, but I like my T-bones. T-bones are good. I'm a ribeye 
pan myself medium wrapped in bacon wrapped oh, oh my goodness oh yes. man sure oh that's so good with the well the course of like with a baked potato and some green beans mm-hmm. just like the full yeah. hearty meal you know yeah i want to feel it clog my arteries as i <laughs> sit there and eat that's the point you need a gorgonzola crust Oof. Oh. <laughs> if you get if you get the right restaurant they'll put a nice uh butter garlic like yeah. just plop of mess right on top of that steak <laughs> and let it melt that's what you need to so that's the plan for the conference meal. Yes. Join us for delicious steak. I had pizza yeah, you, tonight. You so pay I can't... yourself, by the way. Yes. Yeah, you, you're, we're, we're not, we can't pay for it. We're broke. The Are you talking about uh, League and Air Conference? Yes. yes. Are you going? With the dates for that? March 19th oh. through the 21. 21? Yeah. The, what days are those? Do you know? It's Thursday, Thursday, through, Thursday Saturday. through Saturday. Yeah. Thursday through Saturday. Okay. You can, uh, what we did, well, what Alex and I did was we uh, signed up as volunteers. So we got our tickets kind of paid for us. Yeah, I'm dumb and I actually paid for oh. mine. Oh, did we, we didn't know about that trick, but uh, apparently volunteer applications are coming back slower than what they did for me and Alex. Yes. So I guess they're uh, filling up. So, But everybody who's volunteering has gotten a slot so far. They've made it. Okay. So it's not sold out, right? Not yet, yeah, apparently. Yeah. Okay. Well, All right. yeah, well, registra- the, the, registration the is sold, sold out. Yeah. But All vol- the regular tickets are sold out. But volunteering right, yeah. is open. The volunteering th- is still open. Oh. Yes, sir. What if you get bookstore? <sighs> that would be awesome. That'd be perfect for Brad. Yeah. <laughs> pull me out. You'd have to come and have a talk with the rest of the people. He'd be selling books but, left and right. They're gonna have to clean. They're gonna have to like restock Ligonier every night. I am going to walk in with a bag of money. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to steal bank first. I'll help you. We did not say that on this episode. No. You are right. <laughs> Just ignore this. Go back to the steak. Re-listen to that. Yeah, go back to the Jump steak. Jump 25 seconds in the future. It's good. Okay, so guys, All I right. think we got to talk about this at least a little bit. What you got? I don't feel like it, but still. Is this Kanye frenzy for real? I knew this was gonna happen. Uh, I, I just did this. I did it last night, I, and I couldn't help myself. So I li- I listened to it, Brad. I, I agreed with your position. So everyone, just go listen to Brad, and that's my position. Yep. yep. <laughs> Done. Just everyone. I listened po- to a guy with by the name of Keith um, Thompson from YouTube. He said basically that Kanye needs to be quiet, sit under preaching, just like the the Benny Hinn issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he he has someone from the master seminary right beside him pretty much every day of the week, which is good. Yeah, so I don't know if he's converted or not. I haven't heard uh, Brad's episode. I'll listen to it later. <clears throat> but I don't know. I I don't feel like tackling that because I don't know Kanye and I don't know the whole context of the issue. Yeah, probably better just to let Brad handle it. And Brad's the I man think with the plan. Of it comes back to the benny hen thing is we need to see fruit we need yeah. to see an example that's really honestly because i did the benny hen video the only reason i did the kanye video was because i wanted to compare compare those two situations and see like okay what's the difference here you know benny hen is a, a he's a false teacher and now he says quote unquote i'm leaving that then we have kanye who's been making secular music for years and now he's saying quote unquote i'm leaving that and i'm only going to do gospel centered music and so it was kind of interesting to to, to to compare the both of them 
Um, but really what the point of, and, I, and I'll show my cards, I focused in on the guy from Masters, the pastor who preached the sermon. I focused in on that and how amazing that is because there's thousands of people at this church service that they call it, and they heard the gospel, and literally this dude ripped the, the gospel. I mean, it was beautiful. Uh, had an opportunity to use Kanye's platform for anything he wanted to, and he stays true to the word and he preaches a solid message. So that's what that's what I was most encouraged by was was that. That is actually good news. Yeah. I think it could have a uh, big impact. I really do. So yeah, just got to kind of wait and play the game now. And there there were some people who were being hypercritical and saying, you know, he, he's just using it for show. And I just think of Paul and Philippians. Yeah. Some people preach the gospel yep, some, out of envy. Some people exactly. preach the gospel out of gain. It doesn't matter. The gospel was preached. I don't think he's doing it with that intention. Yeah. I, regardless, it's just like, let's all pump the brakes and just see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Just just mentioning Jesus in the in the places that Connie moves himself in is something. So, so we got a second one. Let's see it. Um, what do you think about the whole Kanye thing? <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, let me give my 45-minute expositional sermon on this one. This is a hard question okay, whenever was, I really think about that it. That was a joke. That was a joke. I know you guys knew that. Um, Wait, we this don't This one joke. is interesting. It's an understanding of the Trinity essential for salvation. Yes. yes. Well, yes. Initially, no. Define understanding. Yes. Yeah, define understanding. Yeah. <laughs> comprehension. Good, good clarification. A, no, no, no. Not even comprehension. Apprehension. <clears throat> Because in our finite minds, we just can't understand the Trinity and its full expression. But we can apprehend it. We can know bits about it. But um, I believe that it is essential for salvation because if you don't have the triune God, you simply don't have the true God. You have either a, a schizophrenic God who's, the, who's one in, in, a, in the oneness sense, but he speaks to himself. He changes um, modes as in modalism. You just have a mess of a theology. You can't have Jesus praying to himself while incarnate. You can't have um, then the Father being absolutely um, not condescending to his creation while he's uh, um, totally transcendent. You have a plethora of, of issues. Then you have the Holy Spirit coming in, into the church, but you have no one sending him. It's endless. I believe there was a question actually asking about Jesus praying to himself. And, yeah, I saw that around here. And in relation to that, that's a misconception that Jehovah's Witnesses make a lot because they presuppose tritheism. And so if you're asking that question, then you got the wrong idea of the Trinity to, be, to, to begin with. So that's, Tritheism or um, oneness? Tritheism. It would have to be, well, I guess oneness too. Yeah. Brad, any thoughts on that? Hmm. Um. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, let me answer the first part uh, about comprehending the Trinity, um, because I was curious. Like, do you th does this question mean um, in order to to be saved, are you do you have to articulate what the Trinity is properly? Is that kind of what we're talking about? I don't think so. I think it's just belief. Okay. Okay, so do you have to have a right, a proper belief in the Trinity? Pretty much. So like T.D. Jakes, he does not. He has right. a, the oneness. 
Yeah, but that's not the only heresy he preaches. Correct. With many. (laughs) Yeah, I believe believe that's what they're saying, Brad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think you do. I I, I think you... I mean, Okay, so let's play it this way, then. If T.D. Jakes is perfect, except for his understanding of the Trinity, like if he's not preaching all of the other false stuff that he's preaching, and he's just erring on the Trinity... And, you know, is that now preventing him from being saved because of his view of the Trinity? Is that kind of what we're trying to figure out? I think so. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, because I, I don't know how you can have a wrong understanding of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit— and still like that's a foundational truth to what it means to be a follower of Christ i would i would think and so to err on that you know you know what i mean like how are you how are you able to then articulate the full gospel message then if you right. have some areas of your trinity that you're off on how can you then and then if you can't articulate articulate the gospel clearly then that's very clear you're you're you know, you have to articulate the gospel as a, as a Christian. Um, so yeah, that's a tough one. I, I would say, I mean, a short answer, I would say, if you are erring on the Trinity, that is something that can withhold you. Yeah, but there's a difference also in people that are new converts that have no idea about doctrine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they will always come to a post understanding of, of the Trinity. It's not going to be immediate. It, it's going to be like developed over time. So you, you also have that. But I always wondered on the Jesus praying to himself thing, who did Jesus offer himself to if if we presuppose modalism? Yeah. Well, who is he sitting next to at the right hand of? Yeah. You know, that that's always been the one for me. It's like he sits at the right hand of the Father. Oh, modalist, how? Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I, I agree with what, you just said, Paul, because I mean, I, I'm convinced that most new converts start off as modalists, um, yeah. in some shape or form. And then as you are enlightened by the scriptures and by the Holy Spirit, you come to agree with Trinitarianism. And I, I would say that if you uh, fight against it and you know better, then then you should be worried. Because if in most cases, Trinitarianism, uh, rejecting Trinitarianism is a Christological error. And once you start messing with Christology, salvation gets really dicey. But that, that's just kind of where I would go with that. Yeah, totally. Um, another one. What are y'all's thoughts on prophetic words? They Alex, don't exist. you feel like giving a prophetic word for the month? Yeah, they don't exist. Next question, please. No? <laughs> I gotta t- how's, how's the stake going to be for October 25th? <laughs> Uh, you know what? Actually, I can tell you, we will probably have steak on October 4th, and it's going to be lit. Saturday steak. Mm. It depends on how the person is using the word prophetic, but if we mean it in the biblical sense, then there's not any. Agreed. I think they mean in the sense of YouTube that you have all these modern prophets coming on with prophetic yeah. words for the month. Yep. So yeah. he- here's the thing. I- I've seen people use prophetic to say, um, hey, Paul, I, I was led to, to share this scripture with you. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm fine with that. 
it just depends on how you define prophetic. If you start saying something like, oh, well, you know, that third temple is being rebuilt next year's the year. <laughs> then I'm a little bit worried. Wait a Rapture's going to be in, in a week. You're telling me that, that that's not okay? <laughs> Come on. Now, you know, no, the whole prophetic word, and it, look, I get debates all the time with people, and and here's their biggest argument. Well, I can speak in tongues, or I've said prophecy. Oh, really? What have you declared that has been proven true about Christ? Because that's what all of the prophecies declare. They're about Christ in some fashion. And if you're out here making these ridiculous, broad-stroke prophecies, oh, I feel the wind telling me today <laughs> that blessings are coming your way. Get off the screen. You, you're a joke. You're not making yourself or anybody else around you any better. That you know, is... I, I've seen many of those videos on fighting for the faith oh, with yeah. um, Chris yeah. Rosebrough. Yeah. And the word that they use the most at times is acceleration. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a month of acceleration. And yeah. I always picture someone just speeding past a red light and being pulled over and, and then getting a ticket. <laughs> but, but officer, I was told I could accelerate this. <laughs> is that, is that a, a valid response? Yeah, I don't know. It, it didn't work when I got pulled over last month. I think, I think the red flag too is that anytime you're kind of like, okay, you got this word, let's look at scripture. Then things get kind of weird between you and whoever's giving you alleged prophetic word. And that's an obvious red flag. And every, every instance where someone has sent me a vision or a dream or something, uh, as soon as you start saying, okay, well, how does this compare with scripture? Then they kind of flake out. Mm -hmm. I actually unfollowed somebody last night because they said that they had quote unquote, got a vision from God. And it was absolutely terrible. So I was like, yeah, we're, I'm done following you. Oh. Terrible. Okay, I have one that we haven't been asked before. Because most of these are kind of repeated. Repeats? True. Yeah. Is the thief in John 10.10 10 supposed to be understood as Satan? So everyone wow. is pulling up John 10.10 10 now, right? Yes. yes. John uh, yeah, it's the... Anyone can tackle it. So I didn't when, have my logos open. Please forgive me. We need elevator nice. music right. for whenever stuff like this yeah, happens. Dude, starting. Yeah. Dude. Can you put that in? Jeopardy. I can in the future. I'll be sure to do that. You know what we so need? The verse is like, reads. Sorry, Alex, go on. No, I was just going to say we need like legit drop ins to fill the void. Hmm. Make like Kinda little like Paul, Paul Washer droppings. Yes. I'm talking about Blasphemy. you. Blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's wrong with you people? That's a sprawl, but so just, oh man, that's that was great. Just <laughs> glancing at it, the the thief is would be anyone that offers another way to salvation that isn't Jesus. Yeah, and in, in the historical context, the thief are um, the hypocritical religious Jews. Right. If you look at verse eight, I mean, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not yeah. listen to them. And something that's really interesting about yeah. history from the first and second century and centuries before is that there were many false contenders to um, messiahship. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's an allusion to that too. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that tripped me out. My uh, my Bible had highlighted verse 10 in red for some reason, and so blending it with the red letter, I was like, is there a variant here that I'm missing? I don't see verse 10. <laughs> that tripped me <sighs> out. Uh, 
No. But no, I, I don't think it's necessarily Satan. Uh, you could say Satan's behind it. <clears throat> yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. So maybe if you want to go all origin on the passage. <laughs> what do you think, Brad? I I don't think you can directly say that it is Satan, um, but I certainly have heard it preached that way more times than not. Hmm. Um, just from listening to various sermons and things like that, um, especially that I might have life and have it ab- that they, I came that they might may have life and have it abundantly. Like they use that abundant life and then they compare it to the life that you would get from the thief. And so who is the ultimate thief? It's of course Satan. And what does he do? He steals your joy. He comes to kill you ultimately, and he comes to destroy you eternally. And so they kind of like walk through it that way. And, you know, again, I don't know that the context of this, like, gives us that conclusion. I, I, I don't think so. It also makes a comparison with wolves in the next couple verses. So that could be applicable to a variety yeah. of people, basically. You guys want to pick one? Uh, I don't have it pulled up right now. Okay. Let me, I guess I see we let Brad yeah. pick one. Yeah, sure. Pick a question. Okay. Do, 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 do. Are you humming Bethel? Oh, oh, oh. always. I was trying to shift the atmosphere. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> shift the atmosphere. I'm, um, I'm uh, trying to ward off this weather here, but it ain't listening to me. Yeah, I, it's, it was so hot today. Oh, my gosh. 60 degrees here. Oh, is it really? And rain all day. Did it really? It was like almost 90 again today. Yesterday Gross. it was 90. And yeah. And my wife and I are going to um, Hawking Hills, which we have a cabin like out in the middle of nowhere. And um, this weekend it's supposed to be in like the 60s and cold and rainy. And I'm just, that's perfect weather. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For outdoor stuff. That's perfect. Yeah. Outdoor stuff, meaning I'm going to sit on the porch with a cup of coffee and a book. And that's going to be the extent of my outdoors. Perfect. Um, so one of the questions I got was, there's two that I'd like to, one that was submitted by He Shall Remain Nameless. Is, ass- is assurance of salvation essential to saving faith? That was mine. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering whenever I, re- I was like, that sounds something like Paul would throw out there. Yeah, it's a Paul question. Well, Paul, you want to answer? <laughs> I'm not going to answer it. <laughs> It's my question. <laughs> um, I would say no. Uh, I, I don't know how else to answer that. I don't know really how deep you can go into that question, to be honest. Historically, a lot. Did you know that Luther and Calvin thought that um, assurance was essential to saving faith? That it, if you didn't have assurance, you could not be saved? Okay, so define assurance then, because you're talking about assurance and the work in terms of uh, from... The yeah, against Roman Catholicism. Okay, um, but are you talking about from the work of Christ, or are you talking about from like the human perspective, like assurance of salvation in your own life? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, but I haven't looked into that. 
So you have a good point there. Because there's a dis- because I've seen that distinction made where someone's saying, well, you can't have assurance of your own salvation, but you can have assurance of the salvation that God has done for you. If that makes any sense. Like you can't know whether or not you're in the faith, but you can have assurance of the faith that's there that you can have. Does that make sense? I've heard that distinction being yeah, made before. Yeah, but it seems so I've... like separated from personal apprehension. Cor- you know? cor- yeah. Correct. I Correct. think you can have assurance because if you're holding on to the the promise that christ has given you i feel like that's you know i mean you're not going to get those warm and fuzzy butterfly feelings because that's not what salvation is about it's about knowledge and understanding that this is exactly what happens this is what i believe and as long as that's what your profession is i don't see why you couldn't have assurance in that well, that would that would be the Roman Catholic question: Is can you objectively can you, be sure of your salvation? That was what I was going to say too. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. So, what no, do you part? What part do you think of that, that is is like, do you, how can you like like if you don't have assurance of salvation, then who is doing the doing to assure that you are in fact saved? Like. It's got. It always comes down to like when I have a conversation with somebody who doesn't believe in assurance of salvation. It's always a works-based system. It's always well, I did good today, and so I'm okay. But tomorrow we'll give it another, another shot. And that places so much of the emphasis on man, like the, from everything that it's it's in your hands. And and then I mean, if if you let's say you don't believe in assurance of salvation. What can you do? What what is the sin that kicks you over the edge? Like like what's the one that's going to cause you to lose your salvation? Is it all of them? No matter what you do, is it ten, the tenth that you do? It just to me seems like even the, I mean I believe in assurance of salvation, but to go down that rabbit trail, it seems like there's too many questions that you would have to answer in order to arrive at the conclusion that yeah I I don't believe that my salvation is secure, if that makes sense. Yeah, You know, you brought a great point there on doing good one day and not the other. Because from the church that I come from, they taught that if you ever committed Y sin, crossing the street, you said a bad word, a car runs you over and you die, you go to hell. Because you didn't repent from wow. that sin. That's a, that's a dangerous theology. And wow. we've had people like that, right, Alex, on, on oh, the suicide yeah. thing with this pastor yeah. from um, Greg Laurie's church not long ago. Two weeks, was it? Three weeks. Some people saying that he can't repent from that sin, therefore he's in hell. Yeah. and, and that well, all, that's, Go ahead, Nick. That, that always goes back to the, the thing that you and I have talked about, Paul, where at the end of the day, the, the commandment that's the worst is not loving God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. And we all break that every day in some shape or form. If that's the greatest commandment, then we all are doomed. Yeah. Amazingly, some people do believe that they can love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. It's very arrogant to say that, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't yeah. think I would be able to leave the house. Like, if that was, <laughs> if that was a, a legit thing that you could do, like, I don't know that I could physically get up out of whatever room i was in and and out of shame i well that and i think i would just be so overwhelmed you know because there's there's times where i'm studying scripture and something jumps out of my work and it just like hits me in the face and i and and then it just moves me to prayer and like i i'm overcome with an awareness of the goodness of god in that moment 
But yeah. that doesn't even like that's not even close to that commandment. And there's still like there's more to go. And so like experiencing that fully here on Earth again, I think I would just freeze. I I, I literally think I would just I would, I would just freeze. Yeah, I wouldn't even be able stay to stay locked in a closet or something like that. something like that. Yep. At the end of the day, it's like the linchpin in this whole discussion is the Apostle John thought you could have assurance of salvation, so he wrote First John, and he says, I wrote these things so that you can have assurance so that, of eternal yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's right there in Scripture. Second Peter also, make your election sure. Oh, and then you also have, like, the promises, you know? We talked about those before, I think. Ephesians 1, this is, the Holy Spirit is the seal, the guarantee of your inheritance. And then Romans 8, obviously the great chain of redemption. Uh, I mean, just, you can list them off over and over again. At the end of the day, it's like... Yeah. You can have assurance of salvation if you know who you, if you know who's doing the saving. And I think that's what Brad True. was basically saying is like if if you you think you can lose salvation because somehow it depends upon you. You yeah, there, there's an aspect of your walk with Christ that you believe breaks the the bond between the two of you. Right. It's synergism versus monergism, which is yeah. yeah. And that's why you know I've met synergists who believe in eternal security and i've never been able to understand it but yeah it's really strange yeah so brad the other question was the other question was um how to understand slash study reformed baptist and presbyterian covenant theology distinctives how to understand and study Reformed Baptist and Presbyterian Covenant theology distinctives. So probably what would be a good um, way to begin to go down that trail? Um, how, I mean, I think you would, you would want to get an overview of both of, of the views, and you would want to probably have the 1689, um, which I have right here, Confession of Faith, You'd probably want to have that, and then you'd probably want to have a Westminster and compare those two as you go. I think that's kind of what I would be, I would say, as a as an opener. I was going to say the same. Yeah. Yep. If you look it up online, you can actually find a web, <laughs> some websites that have them side by side and highlight the differences, kind of like you would like on a Bible software with different verses and stuff like that. Oh. Uh, that sounds helpful. Yeah. You know, you could also um, get Benjamin Keach's um, catechism and compare it with the Westminster Larger Catechism. You know, I saw a book the other day that I was so tempted to buy, but I couldn't because I'm not a Presbyterian. And it was, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a parallel of the Westminster, the Belgian, and the Heidelberg, I Heidel, think. Yeah. They, and they had a parallel side-by-side side on each topic, but it was laid out like a systematic I was like, that's pretty cool, but I, I was like, can't can't do it. Doesn't have the London Baptist. Sorry. Did you see <laughs> did you see RC's new book that just got released today? Yeah, uh, truth, I did. Uh, we confess. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That sounds legit. Yeah, it does. But he was a Presbyterian. So we can buy that. <laughs> yeah. We can't buy Presbyterian works, yeah. I, I have the <laughs> Westminster Confession sitting on my shelf. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'll go, I'll go ahead and bridge that line and buy the book. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Take one for the team. The cover's yeah. pretty for sure. I was like, that's a nice looking cover. But Okay, and on that line, would you be willing to have a friendly in-house dialogue about Pedo versus Credo? 
I think Alex would. I'll bust yeah. out the boxing gloves. Let's do it. Uh, you know, we've talked about, I think, baptism on every single round table. Yeah. I'm t- so yeah, tired of baptism. Yeah, I'm tired too. I, I had a discussion on a meme page about baptism, and then no, and people just stopped replying to me. So I was like, okay. I'm down to having a, an in-house discussion, though. I'll be the you moderator. Know we, we should do is a live, Paul, you and I, and just discuss it sometime. I'm down. Because here's the thing. I'm probably leaning, hard, anyways, a lot more uh, credo, anyways, as, as my theology yes. develops. So. Yes. Uh, for everyone listening, uh, Paul and I have been working on this with Alex for months and months <laughs> <laughs> with a lot of conditioning. Uh, we have achieved success, I think. So yeah, wait, wait, wait till tomorrow. tomorrow. Wait till tomorrow and I'll backslide and just go full fledged <laughs> pedo and just. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so did Adam have a belly button? Yes. Moving on. What? I don't think you did. Who was the one I was talking about? Didn't you? Weren't you guys just talking about like Adam could swim underwater, and for a long period of that time? Did I just listen to that on one of your guys' podcasts? That was me. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that was you. Really? Yeah, that was the your new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. Your uh, your your heresy intro. Yeah, Benny Hinn believes that Adam can swim underneath water. That's who it was, <laughs> Benny Hinn. That's right. It, it was an yeah. example of a false yeah. teaching that wasn't necessarily heresy. Her- yeah, he had gills. Wait, at wait, point. but. Swim or breathe underwater? I think it was breathe. I think, yeah, I oh think it's breathe. Gosh. That would be Seriously. awesome. That'd be pretty neat. It would be cool, but it was because of sin that we can't breathe underwater, people. I just want so you to know that. Because of sin Good that we can't fly, also, right? Way to fail us. You... <laughs> Gravity is the result of sin. <laughs> <laughs> the absence of wings. And so is calories and ice cream. I don't see why Adam would have a belly yeah. button. That it would, I don't Same. really, but I mean, well, I mean, he's created out of the dirt, so it's kind of one of those. But yeah. here's my thing: if if you want to look at the like the 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 description on the imagery of God, like He made uh, Adam in His image, then why wouldn't Adam be just given a belly button by default? Because God doesn't have a belly button. There you go. <laughs> Okay, now you. That goes. In, that goes into a whole different down, discussion. I'm not going down this rabbit hole with you. That goes. <laughs> that, goes <laughs> that goes into a whole different discussion of what the image of God is, too. Exactly. Yeah. But look, <laughs> this is the thing. Episode here. Did Did Adam need um, feeding in the womb, which is what the the umbilical cord is for? Right. right. Which is no, because Adam was formed out of the dust. Then he didn't have a belly button. Yeah. So he just had like a straight six pack, probably. Yeah, eight pack. No, twelve pack. Ten pack. Twelve pack. Do you think he could manage like two fifty, like without breathing? Yeah, Yeah. underwater. Maybe, maybe three fifty even. I think he could have run, ran up the Everest with his fingernails. He wouldn't have to run. He could fly. He fly. Sure. (laughs) And swim underwater up the Everest to get to the Everest. I don't know what weird land we just fell into. Welcome to our show, Brad. Thank you. Mount Everest is now inhabited by uphill flowing water. (laughs) Well, dude, downhill flowing rivers are part of the fall also. I heard that the the round earth theory was a result of the fall, too. (laughs) It probably is. 
I mean, clearly the Earth is flat. I mean, clearly it rides on the back of a turtle. I just want to. <laughs> I just want to say that that my five year old the other day when we were going for a walk said, "I can see the curvature of the Earth," and I was like, "That's right. Yes, you yes, can. Yes, you can." <laughs> oh man! So you guys want to pick one? I've been picking uh, out pretty much everything. I haven't picked one. I'll pick one. I feel like a dictator. You are the dictator. You're the host. That's what you do. You pick the questions. You know. I'm a nice. I, I want to understand how the biblical uh, and how to biblically explain sickness and healing to others. I like that one because it's not a stab at gifts. Here's a, it's kind of a couple parts. Of it. Explain true doctrine of healing or sickness from a uh, for for a chronologically ill Christian. I want to understand how to explain sickness and healing to others, help uncover lies and truths of the healing ministry. That's a good question. I like that one. Part of me wants to point people to y'all's uh, Grace Alone episode because y'all talked about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we did for a minute. Mm, I don't think there's a doctrine of sickness. Define. Well, it says explain true doctrine of healing or sickness from a chronically ill Christian. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Doctrine of sickness would fall under doctrine of sin. So, yeah, sin, yeah. <clears throat> healing would be under what restoration but that's not really a theological category that, or or god's mercy or yeah true well healing is part of the kingdom but it's we're not yet in the full expression of the kingdom so jesus right. brought like a trailer a, a little taste which is why he healed so much so many people and then the the apostles did, did the same but then we see a huge decrease of that throughout church history and the healings nowadays are just baloney. If you want to talk about the true doctrine of, quote, healing or sickness, then that would be the gospel and what it accomplishes. Because at the end of the day, the most pressing issue was the spiritual issue. And so, I mean, we're all groaning for uh, redemption of our bodies, but that's, that's not the primary issue that Jesus came to deal with. What do you think, Brad? You have an episode on, um, on Hummer theology, right, Nick? somewhere yeah it's oh, one of them yeah, i don't know if i i don't think i touched on this back then though it was a while back what do you think brad so i think you need to have a right understanding of suffering um and and what that looks like because somebody that somebody can be taught that you are are not supposed to suffer and they would include sickness in that suffering so you're not supposed to be sick um and it, and and i don't want to get into the reasons why people would say well if you do have this sickness then whatever the reason would be but there are people that teach that we as followers of christ that we have overcome sickness and we have overcome poverty and we have overcome all these negative events from happening so I think you have to you have to you have to rightfully understand suffering and what suffering looks like, and you have to expect suffering because if you expect something, you are more able to take on that suffering. For example, um, you know that it's going to happen, and suffering looks different to everybody. Um, we don't, um, you know, it's not like we go running towards suffering and and we say, um, "Oh, look at me, I'm suffering, and and I'm doing so much for Christ." Like. No, sometimes we just like make bad decisions and that's not, you know what I mean? That's not, you're not actually suffering for Christ. You're just making wrong decisions. Um, so you can get it mixed up that way too. 
but to backtrack, a right understanding of suffering. And then what was the other part about healing today? How do we how do we approach that? It was about explaining true doctrine of healing. Or how can we uncover the lies and truths of healing ministry was part of that. There's like three parts to it. Well, let me just say one thing real quick. I'm really glad that you guys talked about that Todd White hand in the water meme earlier on the show. <laughs> because when I saw that for the first time, I audibly laughed so hard. Like that is just it's one of the funniest memes that I've ever said or that I've ever seen. So um, a right understanding of healing is that we are going to pray for you to be healed according to God's will, and we are going to recognize that it is in His hands, um, but we will also recognize that He's given us uh, the, uh, the calling, if you will, to join together and pray, to lay hands upon someone and pray that they would be healed. Um, we're not going to... Um, say, well, so-and-so down the street healed me, so that means he's going to heal you also. It doesn't work that way. And that person didn't heal anybody. It was God working through that person. Um, so, you know, I think with, as soon as I say that I'm a cessationist, most people automatically say, well, you don't believe in the Holy Spirit, do you? And like, no, that's not at all what I believe. And you don't believe that God can heal people, do you? Well, no, that's not at all what I believe either. Like, in fact, I, I believe more so of that because I, I look to God as the only one that can do it. Not these not these yahoos that claim to be healing agents on, on behalf of God, but I, I know that if God chooses to heal this person, and if I pray for them, he can use that situation. And it, and it had nothing to do with me. It was God using me as an instrument to pray for this person for them to be healed. Um, that's that's my understanding of healing today. Um, I think it, it's um, it's become a show. It's become a spectacle, and it's become uh, a way to put people in the seats. And you know, like you guys talked about too. I mean, we got a guy that you know grows your leg, and then he says God loves you, and he lets you be. And that you don't get a gospel. You get no gospel message whatsoever. And that's their thing. And that just like makes no sense to me. It, it makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, I, I just don't, I mean, if you claim to have the gift of healing, uh, there's so many other things that you should be doing than walking up to older people and saying, Hey, does your back hurt? Well, whose back doesn't hurt? Like, yeah, my back hurts. Like, okay, well, your, your one leg is longer than the other. Oh my gosh, my one leg is longer. I had no idea. Well, I can fix it for you. Why wouldn't you use your time and your quote unquote gift in other places to do legitimate healings? Like if you could do that. And then what happens? So if you pray for this person and they have some sickness and you claim to have this gift of healing and you pray for that person and you earnestly pray for them and then they end up dying, whose fault is it? Is it God's fault or is it your fault? Well, it has to be your fault because you are the one that's claiming you have the gift. And so now you've, you've absorbed this responsibility because your prayer for this sick person was not effective although you claim to have the gift of healing. And you can just get stuck in all these rabbit trails like, okay, well, now we got to go this way. So it, what happens if, if you know, does, do you get the praise or does God get the praise? And, and so, I mean, it's so, like, it, it's so mediaized, if that's a word, like healing and, and all of that stuff, because it's like, you know, the Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry, like that's all that they claim to do is they just heal everybody and they're throwing handkerchiefs out and people are getting saved and healed and stuff's falling from the ceilings and it's like 
well, yeah, I mean, it's it's rightfully understood that we have a wrong. Uh, we, most people have a wrong understanding of what healing is because of all this stuff going on. I think you nailed it. And that's why we invited him on the show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, that, that's Sorry, I, easily the <laughs> that's highlight, easily the <laughs> highlight of this episode. I, yeah. And I think it's worth noting, too, that, I mean, God uses suffering to grow us and to move us and to do things like our sufferings are not in vain. There's a purpose behind them. And that's one of the greatest promises we have in Scripture. Um, and that coupled with everything Brad said at the end of the day, if you can heal everything, then why do we still physically die? Because the one sickness you're not going to get rid of is the last one you have. Yeah. It's just like, OK, um, man, that, that was that was gold, Brad. Absolute yeah, gold. It really was. Thank you. And you know what I thought of when you talked about Todd White? That is exactly what Satan would want someone to go around doing. Heck yeah, man. Just telling people that they're exactly healed right. and that God loves them and then go ahead to live go your ahead. sinful life and keep keep on keep on sinning. Yeah. Yep. That is totally satanic. And that guy yep. has to be put down from every pulpit that he steps on and every person that he talks to. So anyone wants to pick another one or I got one more. You got one? Yeah. And this is kind of a new age spirituality type issue. Hold on here. Oh. Okay. Let's... You want me to heal that? Yeah. Can you, uh, <laughs> can you, can you do it? Uh, it's my daughter. Actually, she's now joining me. She says, hi, everybody. Uh, I am going to butcher this because I'm terrible at words and English. Um, the uh, nanograms. What are you guys anagrams? Anagrams, that's right. Yeah. What are you guys thoughts on those. I actually had a few people send me DMs on that, so I think they're annoying. That's about as far as I really want to go into. I don't that. even know what they are. They're basically I, I know something about them. Is it personality stuff? Basically. Yeah, it's a take a take a test, answer these questions. Here's your number. This is who you are. Yeah. It sounds like um what do you call this stuff? I I, I even forgot the name. Um horoscope. Yeah. Uh, it's more like Myers Briggs, but for spiritual Christianity, it's supposed to tell you like where you're prone to sin and all this, all these other things. But of course, it has it has links to other. It's just I, I don't even like talking about it. It sounds like Bethel's spiritual that, terror. It's gotten into yeah. like almost every church you can think of too. I mean, I saw it, several people today with I have Enneagram whatever in their bio. Yeah. It's like okay, my number is. Yeah. Ugh. I I. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's just I think another gimmick that the church is trying to profit off of, and I don't mean profit from like a, a simply a, a financial perspective, but I mean like, hey, everybody's grabbing a hold of this enneagram stuff. Let's let's slap the term Christian on it. It's like, I mean, if I ruffle feathers with this, then I mean, I think you guys knew who I am when you invited me. It's like holy yoga, like yoga let's just throw holy in front of it and now it's this big christian thing and it's okay to do because it's christian it's holy like and you don't i mean they don't know anything about yoga as a as a practice of a religious practice and so just because you put a label on it it looks like it's okay and i think that's the kind of the thing with the enneagrams too is we're 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 putting a label on this of something that's not necessarily a a christian thing and I wouldn't say that it's as bad as, um, like, let me think of, um, like the tarot card, the tarot cards, the things mm. that Be that Bethel was doing. I wouldn't say that it's as bad as that, um, 
but I but I think the church grabbing hold of it, I I I, I don't understand the reasoning behind that. Um, yeah. I, I I don't get it. I mean, I understand it's the new thing, um, but I I just don't understand what the appeal of it is. Probably just the church trying to be culturally relevant. Yeah, which I hate. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I do too. Well, I think I think you guys have nailed it, and I you know I had for seminary they had me do it, and then I had I was supposed to have kind of like a uh, a pre classroom discussion with a, an instructor on my results, and my answer or one of the thing one of the questions was like you know what are your thoughts on this, and my answer was I don't understand why I have to label myself as a number based upon a test that I find to be absolutely irrelevant to my walk with Christ. Yeah. And she was like, you know, I've never had anybody actually give me an honest answer like that. And she's like, I do kind of find them to be a bit ridiculous. I was like, yeah. why are you doing them? Yes. Yeah. You know, like you guys said, it's just a, a way to be culturally relevant. It's a, you know, Oh, Hey, look at what we're doing. We're staying cool and hip with everybody. And that's just, it's ridiculous. It's like those uh, the churches grabbed a hold of the at the movies series. I saw a bunch oh, of churches oh, that were doing man. that. It's if we could put a barf sound effect in this point right here, that's what we'd do right now. Yeah, you have a whole Bible over. I don't know how many pages it is. It depends on the version and the and the, and the format. Why not preach from it instead of preaching from dumb movies? <laughs> what a noble idea! What 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 a fan! I want to go to that church. You know, we were having a discussion, I'm not going to say where, uh, on wisdom. And the idea was you can pull wisdom from general revelation and psychology and all this other stuff. I'm like, I haven't even mastered the wisdom that's been given to me through the Bible. And you want yeah. me to start looking at other sources? That, I mean, that just shows what's what's ridiculous about our Christian culture. Yep. yep. Totally agree, gentlemen. Yeah. Pride. Too. It's a dangerous sin. Yes, it is. Nick, right. you want to pick a question? Uh, let me no? see. If you have one, throw it out there because I haven't looked. Do, 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 keep, keep doing that. That's all I know. Do, do, do. Okay. Um, Nick, this one's for you. Okay. <clears throat> what it, I lost it. Uh, what are some quick responses to combat KJV onlyist claims? Okay. Well, we have we have other people that can answer this. <laughs> <laughs> quick dodge there no um that that's my my favorite one is why not yeah. exactly why yes, not the great the great Just bible yell at their face the the great bible of 1539 was actually the first authorized bible of england why not that bible um or why not the geneva bible which was in 1560 or why not the bishop's bible uh, or the Great Bible in 1568. Why the 1611 King James, and why are we going to let? A, and why are because we going to let an English? They were inspired. Yeah, why let an English <laughs> monarch? The only right Bible. <laughs> all other Bibles are insignificant. That, that's that's the thing that heretics. Get, you're all heretics. That's that's the thing that gets me. It's like um, if if someone took the ESV. President Trump takes the ESV tomorrow saying, I authorize this Bible. Everyone's going to use this Bible. It's the only authorized Bible. No one would buy that. Why do we buy whenever an English king says it about the 1611 King James? Mic drop. Because he, he was a black Hebrew. And you want, to, you want to know what else is... <laughs> there, there's something else that's kind of annoying is that there, there tends to be this link between uh, the King James onlyist and a hatred for Calvinism. My two thoughts are they'll, they'll, say, that, they'll say that you yes. worship Calvin, but they hold a King James Bible... 
they're holding a Bible with King James names on it. And then, of course, you have the reality that Calvinists help translate the King James. So it's just like, I don't understand why this is a thing. Uh, it's just pure traditional. They're scared of modern translations for some reason. And it's gotten into the Reformed camps, and there's really nothing you can do about it. That stinks. And, you know, it's it's really it's really a point that people are scared of, of studying textual criticism. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. people fear what they don't understand, and textual criticism isn't an easy field. It's just not. It's got a lot of complex uh, things you have to work through. I mean, even describing the reality that someone says, okay, the NIV removes these verses. If I said, no, the King James adds these verses, people get confused because yeah. you have to sit down and break down what that means and why that works that way because, well, the King James came first. The reality is that people don't know where the Bibles came from. <laughs> They yeah. think they think if it just fell out of the sky and landed in King James's hand, but yeah, man, it's it's a trip. The whole movement, it's I've, crazy. I've been thinking it's, about it's doing really another, cultic. Yeah, I've been thinking about yeah. doing another uh, series on King James. I don't know. I'm deciding on that would be helpful. Maybe a little bit more in depth than my last ones. I'm not sure. Okay, I'll guys, I got I, I got a question from a Lutheran. A hardcore Lutheran that I, I I've texted back and forth a couple of times. Alex, you submitted a question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> that, that was not Alex, by the way. Um, interpretation of First Peter three twenty one. I already know what that's about. They always use that. Man, that's let a... me just fetch it. I you were gonna say something. I was going to say, I haven't sat down and looked at it, so I feel unprepared. I sat down a little bit before the show because I, I looked at the question. I don't know if the person is going to listen to this episode, but he's really like apprehensive with the baptismal regeneration thing. What, what was the verse again? I'm sorry. First Peter 3.21. It reads, oh, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah, so the Lutherans love to use this as a um, as their kind of bread and butter, talking about regenerational baptism, that without baptism that you are not actually saved. And it's actually a misconception, at least from what I've learned so far, is that it's not a point of regeneration. It's the public washing of the sins away that they view it as. It's a promise that that they hold to, this is, and there's many different divisions inside of Lutheranism, so you can, you know, chalk this up to whatever group you want, but um, from what I've read and seen, it had, it, the groups that I run in, it doesn't adhere to the regenerational point, it just adheres to this promise that Christ died for our sins, we are now baptized into um, Christ and our sins have been forgiven, and then baptism becomes that promise for us to always reflect upon. And I brought up what the Reformation Study Bible is, which, by the way, Paul, we're going to actually name a winner um, oh. Friday on that. I hope that's me. It probably will be. Maybe it's Nick again. It's me. Probably is. Uh, so the Reformation Bible says uh, baptism, which correlates... Uh, to this now saves you. Baptism is a sign and a seal of God's grace in Jesus Christ. The startling 
statement that baptism, quote-unquote, saves you shows the closeness of the relationship between the sign and the reality it signifies. Noah's physical salvation through the waters of the flood uh, prefigured the waters of baptism and the salvation they signify. Baptism symbolizes judgment on sin and the death of Christ. And then also renewal of life, Romans 6, 4, the flood waters were a judgment on the wicked, and at the same time, physical salvation for Noah and his family. That's pretty and good. Then, yeah, and then it says, then it goes on, it says, not as a removal of dirt from the body, least his readers mistakenly attribute a magical or mechanical power of the sacrament. Peter states that the means of salvation is not performance of an external rite, but that it symbolizes union with Christ in his death and resurrection. I think that's a beautiful explanation of what baptism is. Yeah. You know, I was reading an article before um, the episode on that. Mm -hmm. And you know what's interesting about it? The flood waters are not what saved Noah. It was the ark. Yep. So I, I don't know why people correlate water with um, the whole context of First Peter 3 and then Second Peter 2 and 3 also talk about the waters of, of, the, of the flood. But the Greek on the, on the text, I'm, I'm no Greek expert. That's Nick. And I don't know if Brad is also. Not yeah. a Greek expert. Well, Greek, um, Nick is. I'm not. Nick also is a Hebrew expert, too. Do you know that? And Aramaic. And I'm... Aramaic. He's actually going to release his own... He's going to kill us now. ...multi-language so Bible translation. The only way... <laughs> the only reason I know these languages is because I received a vision from Jesus, and he gave me <laughs> the secrets... You. Of he the Hebrew on language. you and said, "Nick, you got to go." He just started downloading information. I'm the cloud. That was it. Downloading like the Matrix, right? Yeah. Yep. It's um, New Jerusalem Greek. So I actually was looking at the Greek Orthodox Study Bible because it's fun, and this is what they say on this passage. Okay, um, the flood is an Old Testament mystery of salvation of the human race. Noah was saved from a godless society, not so much saved from the water as through the water from evil. For through the water of baptism, the resurrected Christ, having taken his place in heaven itself, gives us a clean conscience. That's interesting. Isn't it? I kind of like it, actually. It's, it's weird because I didn't expect it. But it doesn't say anything about regeneration. But well, the, the article that I was reading, it says that it, the Greek implies that the baptism does refer to the water. And the waters, as you said, Nick, and Alex also, it removed evil from the world. So it can be said that baptism removes evil from the body in a certain sense. But there's also a problem with that. Because what, what are those things that baptism actually removes, that the water does remove? I don't think well, that water baptism saves. I think that what saves is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's acquired by faith alone. And that's clear by Romans 5.1. Even actually Romans 3, 2, 5, Ephesians 2, the whole thing, Philippians 1, etc. John. So it's, it, it's not justification by faith and baptism. It's by faith alone. And we actually have historical background to that, too, because in, in Acts chapter 10, you have um, Cornelius and his household. They were saved when Peter visited them. They actually say God has visited also the Gentiles with with salvation and they haven't even been baptized yet so that's i think baptismal regeneration is on the table. i i know that a lot of the early church held to it but 
Nick is the expert on that too, so I'll leave that to him. <laughs> and I, I want to hear Brad's, Brad's um, um, thoughts on that too. So as I was just looking at an article, um, the Greek text sort of leans it to be escaped through water, meaning baptism corresponds to escaping through water and that the water of baptism is in some way a counterpart to the waters of the flood. For if, as is nearly certain, baptism, when Peter wrote, was by immersion, going completely under the water, note how incongruous the... In is that the word? Yeah. The mention of removal of dirt from the body would be if Peter thought that only a few drops of water were sprinkled on the head. Then going down into the waters of baptism was a vivid symbol of going down into the grave in death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. The water of baptism is like waters of judgment, similar to the waters of the flood and showing clearly what we deserve for our sins. Um, there's nothing about regeneration in this article either. Um, it it does make a mention of as Noah fled into the ark, so we flee to Christ and in him we escape judgment. Yeah. I like that. I was reading uh, Robertson's word pictures uh, and it basically said the same thing that it specifies essentially that it doesn't actually clean away that uh, in the conscience and in that it makes more of a parallel with Romans six, two through six of a, um, I don't know how Being to bird with Christ. Yeah. I don't know how to explain. I think I'm frying out right now. Another part that I was reading too, it said we could paraphrase baptism now saves you, not the outward physical ceremony of baptism, but the inward spiritual reality, which baptism re represents. Thus, Peter guards against any magical view of baptism, which would attribute saving power to the physical ceremony itself. You know, the article that I was reading had similar stuff. It, I was thinking the same it thing. It said that why why would Peter add something after he says baptism saves you? Sa yep. If if that would have been the case, he would have just stopped there. Stopped right there, yeah. And not continue the argument. And I like the, the position that holds that it's the Holy Spirit working in and through the person to lead to baptism, because baptism is in itself obedience. It's a command. And only regenerate people want to honestly obey God. And it's not the waters that save, but it's a spiritual thing associated with the water. And we know that God impulses us to do that. Baptism is obedience because he commands it. And also it has spiritual significance. It's not that it's just a symbol of something and has no no effect on us or anything like that. It's not the means of salvation that God provided. The means of salvation is clear throughout the Bible that it's faith in the work and the finished work of Christ. Nick, any words on that? Not necessarily. I got I got a little bit I just distracted. Want to pick one. I, I think you guys did everything you could say about it. <laughs> You guys nailed it really well. Uh, interesting uh, tidbit, not necessarily related to that, is the Jewish annotated New Testament says that proclaiming the spirits in prison, they say that perhaps those who died in the flood, the rebellious angels. That was like, that's interesting, but it pulls from First Enoch too. So I was like, what? Oh. The author argues so wait, that just as Noah saved people only from humans, those that those that, that died in the flood. Well, I mean that's one of the theories anyway. Remember the the Nephilim. Yeah, but I don't take that view. I don't. I don't. 
have any reason to believe that angels somehow procreated on Earth. But yeah, that would be weird. That would be very weird. <laughs> I mean, yeah. A lot of people like that view, though. But, I think John MacArthur has that view. Yeah. There's some solid people that have it, but I, I don't see a reason to uh, to believe that. I mean, especially... Do you think they are... They were, like, um, just big people? Yeah. I mean, if you think about big is relative, man. Like, <laughs> like yeah, if, if I think about Gath and Goliath, uh, compared to what? Uh, someone... Even, like, now, the Roman Empire, people were averaging, what, five, two, five, three... So it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was correct, if they were that short, but they're pretty short. Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, anyone else wants to pick another one, or do I just do it for all of us? Keep slinging a man. I don't really have one that I... Let's do it, Chief. So this was Adiaphora, but is it a sin to listen to not Christian music all the time? Yes. Not really, no, because I listen to secular music. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my perspective, and I've had conversations with people, is um, look at the, the premise to the music, right? So if it's, a, if it's rock, if it's rap even, you know, what, is, what are the lyrics saying? What is the point and premise behind the song? It doesn't have to, you know, necessarily glorify God, but it shouldn't be blasphemous or demeaning towards God. Um, and if it's not edifying to you, then why listen to it? Yeah. Um, I've gotten to a point now in my walk where I'm very selective on my Christian music because I feel like most of it out there is just trash anyways. And I just listen to classical music. I don't have to deal with lyrics. I don't have to deal with people's personal opinions. I just listen to classical music. And it's, and it's well and fine. Anybody else? Did you know that Joan Bach was a Christian? Yes, I did. He has amazing music. For me, it's uh, if... Oh, go ahead, Brad. No, no, you're fine. Go. Uh, for me, it's pretty simple. If it doesn't violate your conscience or cause you to sin, do it. Yeah. Yeah, and, I agree. And it's something to be said that there's some there's some secular artists that have more Christian themes than Bethel. That's, in their that's music. well, honestly, when he, when uh, like the thought <laughs> came to my mind when Alex said that, like um, I don't listen to a lot of Christian music because the style of music and everything like that. Like that, I mean, that's so true. Like there's secular music that's more Christian than the quote unquote Christian music that's played on mm -hmm. K, K Love and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and, so, yeah, I, you know, I'm the same way. I, I, I don't, um, I prefer, I'm a more instrumental kind of beats kind of guy myself. And that's what I normally like I'll put on, um, if I'm studying my guilty pleasure is I love nineties country music. Uh, I'll just Ugh. throw that out there because we're friends. Uh, that's my, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's not friends with me either because of that too. So that's all right. Um, but yeah, I, um, I, I mean, I, I dealt, I deal with a lot of guys from, uh, we're a very, um, in the area that our church is, um, it's a very rough community. And I mean, at, the last thing we want to do is tell these people like, you know, Hey, like you can't pull into the parking lot, listening to this specific music. Um, like we want these people in the building and we want them to experience Christ. And so, um, yeah, music would not be something that we would, um, we would consider to be uh, a sin. But again, 
if it's a stumbling block or if it's causing you to sin uh, because that music can, you know, trigger thoughts of, you know, I know a lot of guys that are former addicts and when they start listening to the music that they used to listen to, it triggers memories. And then before they know it, they're going back down that path. And so that's something that we advise against doing because it's setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. You know, that was brilliant. A question I was thinking about this last week is why do we even need quote Christian music? Why can't we just have Christians in the field of art making music? Well, I don't think there's even such a thing as Christian music because music can't have like slots like that. There's no such thing as a Christian sound. There's just sound. Well, there's no such thing as a Christian sound because Christian artists just rip off other sounds. <laughs> yeah, and they only use three notes, which gets kind of boring after a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a follow-up question, and it was directed towards Brad. Um, would you be willing to have an in-house debate on why 90s country music shouldn't be listened to? <laughs> that I'm, was from me. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Sometimes, sometimes I listen. Sometimes I listen yeah. to it just for nostalgia. Yeah, I would. I would. For, um, yeah, there, there's some music that, you know, I'm, I, I'm pretty diverse. With with Brad, there's a lot of music. Uh, for me, before Christ, music was my life, and so there's a lot of music. And um, even playing, like I don't play uh, acoustic gigs, or I didn't join the worship band because for me, that's too close to what I was before. And that's just how I'm wired. But I, I still listen to a wide variety of music that um, usually yeah, I just like playing with different sounds. Uh, but I, I you can't go wrong with instrumentals. And I listen to a lot of old music. And if y'all remind me whenever we... Uh, oh, never mind. So... <clears throat> Nick's going to release his next album soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was featured with Rick Astley. And what? So, oh, wow. <laughs> Were you alive in the 80s? Uh, dude, Rick Astley's still making music. What are you talking about? I know, but he's his smooth, hits are man. all in the 80s. His, his, his voice is... He has like one hit. His voice is honey, dude. No, he doesn't. He, 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 has, he has three... Can we make a sound bit out of that, please? <laughs> oh, you don't believe me? Oh, okay. I'm going to send you all some links after this is over. Oh, this guy has okay. Oh, Brad, his mu- Brad and Nick, if if you like, if you guys like instrumental music by a Christian artist, um, Tony Anderson, he has awesome. Music. I love Tony Anderson. Well, Chick absolutely Fla- love Tony well, Anderson. Chick Fil A gives us instrumental Christian music too, <laughs> which is better than the crap that's on K Love. Well, it's the same thing. It's just without the lyrics. No, it's without the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, you were going some um somewhere though, and I cut you off. Where was Ooh. I going? I don't know. Oh, um, yeah. I was saying Rick Astley's music is kind of cheesy, but, man, his voice, you can't – it's dude, I'm, I'm telling you. Um, you got to appreciate at least his vocals. But I listen to a lot of 40s music, so I'm not really big on a lot of modern stuff. I like 80s music. I, I'm selective on 80s. Yeah, there's some awful stuff there, too. I don't go near the 80s for any amount of money. As long as you stay out of – did I just hear what did I just hear over there? I have a goofy tow truck running up and down my leg. Yeah, and I had <laughs> I heard a cow mooing a bit of, a, a while before. Yeah, there's probably a cow toy. Oh, it's uh, she's got this like uh, merry-go-round thing that's got like farm animals and it teaches her the animals and uh, food. So that's her that's her jam. I'm pretty sure the food thing you bought it for yourself. Yeah. I did. 
I did. I well, I have to teach my daughter good eating, so <laughs> trying to increase your right. increase your power. It just says steak all steak. the time. <laughs> Beef. <laughs> the cow says mmm. <laughs> speaking speaking of uh beef, we went to lunch yesterday. <laughs> I gotta tell you guys about this this burger joint. I don't know if they're a chain like uh, across the US or anything, but the place is called M Burger and I've only seen this one place. But they marinate their bacon in brown sugar and honey. Uh, Man. It's pretty legit. Dude, it's 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 amazing. <laughs> I can't even explain how delicious those burgers are. I'll just yeah, leave. Sounds that. good. Continue on. Do we have time for a relax? I, th- I think we have one question. more question. All right. Yeah. So last question. Let's do it. And uh, um, can I pick it? Yeah, you're the man. Yeah, dude. I'm dictator here. So dictator, it. Paul. This was important because there are a lot of people who are extortioned by this. Does Malachi 3.10 apply beyond the tithe? Context, um, pastors saying to give more, to be blessed more. Um, if you bring your corn and your um, your cabbage and all your other vegetation, sure. Yeah, and your loaf of bread and oil yep. and all that. So my old church you know, used to use this verse a lot before the sermon went on in order to promote people to tithe. Tithing is nowhere to be found found in the New Testament. And to do that is actually legalism, is to bring to bring back the Old Testament law and make it binding for the Christian. Thank you. Yeah. And you know what? And it kind of de- it diminishes what the New Testament lays out consistently, which is we are to give out of a cheerful heart and a willful spirit. If you're not giving because you want to, then it's... It doesn't matter. It's fruitless. Yeah, and I, I just want to be a bit more precise and say ceremonial law from the Old Testament. Yeah. There you go. What do you think, Brad? I, I had a church that did. I So, I mean, just a real quick snippet. Uh, my wife and I were attending a church, and then they ended up going full word of faith and everything like that. And that's really like what changed the course of my life and got me to where I am today because we were so deceived and lied to. And I felt like it just that it was at that moment when that happened, I was like, I'm, I will devote my life the rest of my days to teaching and preaching sound theology. And this church used that exact same thing. They used that verse to promote giving and they would do that all the time. It says, test God. This is the only place it says test God in the Bible. And what's it talking about? It's talking about giving. So why don't you test God with your giving and you'll see what he's going to give you in return. And that's what he, they would say every Sunday morning. Um, they would, uh, they, that, yeah. But they wanted money. They wanted yeah. money. You know, and, and I see this a lot in bigger churches. Um, and it's this this concept, this mindset that they, and not necessarily that they're pulling out a, um, this particular text, but, you know, they look and say, well, you know, in the Old Testament, they would give... 10 percent and but they would never provide a new testament example of that and 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 most of the time it was never even scripturally based and uh and that's the frustrating aspect and you know you guys uh 
touched on it that a lot of people are deceived. They're trapped in this mindset that they're just giving 10%. You know, and one thing that I've, my wife and I have talked about, you know, as, as I'm getting ready to go into ministry is how do I come in front of a congregation and ask for money and without it being legalistic or, you know, like in a begging sense, like church needs your money. And, it, it, you know, Nick, I think you said, you know, the, the quote of the phrase from Paul that, uh, you know, we're supposed to be giving generously. And I think that's the fruit of the life and that we have to just relay back to people is you're not obligated to give 10%. If you financially can only give 1%, but you give that 1%, you know, with the utmost joy in your heart, then you are doing far better than those who give greedily out of the 10% or, you know, uh, where they're trying to hold on to every penny they can. Yeah. I, I would even go further to say you don't even have, whenever you give, you're not obligated to give to your congregation. You can give to any ministry you want to. I know a lot mm -hmm. of people, I know a lot mm -hmm. of people that uh, don't like that, but that's kind of, I mean, we, we go to both. Uh, we give some to our church and we also do like, um, other organizations as well, but, um, so any, how about, uh, before we close out, Brad, why don't you point people to where you are? Me? Yeah. Why don't you do a little commercial plug? <laughs> Theology nights can be seen live on. Wow. I'm not going to be able to keep that. Good. That was legit. Voice up. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we are live on Tuesdays, and so the time is, with my schedule right now, it's just a little up in the air, uh, but we go live every Tuesday night. Um, it's either, it's 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 around 5 p.m. through 7.30 p.m., sometime in that window. Um, if you follow us on Facebook or YouTube, you'll get a notification, and then you can jump on. Uh, but yeah, we do the live show on Tuesday nights. Um, all information about the site and the platform is at theologynights.com, and then through that, uh, you can get to Facebook, facebook.com slash Theology Nights, uh, and our big platform is YouTube, youtube.com slash Theology Nights. Make sure you subscribe and uh, click the bell so you receive notifications whenever we go live. And that's our home. And on podcasts, you can search Theology Nights on all podcast platforms, uh, and you can subscribe. So if you can't make the live show um, or any of the videos that we post, I normally pull all the audio from our videos posted as a podcast. All of the audio from the live show is always posted, so you can listen to the to the show um, the day after if you can't make it to watch it. So Sweet. that's me. Yeah, Brad. Brad's really legit. Um, we've all had the pleasure of interacting with him and talking with him over the last well, for me, like the last year, and it's been really great. Brad's awesome. Go check him out. And I think with that, we're concluding the round table eight. So have a great night, everyone. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.